Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And in today's episode, Benji and I are unpacking the importance of having different levels of relationships in your life, so family, friends, etc., and how this leads to a sense of fulfillment or lack of fulfillment, depending on how you navigate these waters. And here's why it's incredibly crucial. In these times, a lot of people are feeling isolated, they're feeling depressed. This is not going away. This is something that is going to increase as the world changes at an ever rapid pace. And the one thing that will bring us back to a sense of ease and normality and mental, spiritual, emotional health is our level of connection with certain types of people in our life. So we're going to get into these types of people. And by the end of this episode, I really hope that you can understand that this is a lifelong pursuit and it's not just a quick fix type of situation, but it is where all of the resolution is. It's where all the fulfillment lies in terms of the opposite of addiction is connection. Well, that connection is what we're talking about today. So if you want to break free from addiction permanently, then it requires you to have a permanent connection to different types of people in different frequencies forever. So I hope this made sense. I hope I'm speaking English. Let's get into this episode. Mm, welcome back, everybody. How you doing? I just redlined that. That was way too loud. I'm great, Benji. How are you doing, Benjamin? We're about to go to Europe, so exciting, nervous, all the stuff. So just not to call you out, but to call you up, Benji. Mm. Everybody, Benji's never been to Europe, and he yeah. is going next week to his homeland. Like, this is where his mama's from. She never bothered to take you? No, I've been to Wales. That's not Europe, though. Oh, my goodness. I've been Benji. to Wales multiple times. I've never been to Europe, but we're going to Europe for workshops. Poland, Germany, etc. Yeah. But you know that it's in Europe, right? Wales. Know. Yeah, but if you've only been to the UK many times and you've never set foot in any other country that everyone's like, oh, you got to check out France or Italy. Or, like in my mind, I've never been to Europe. So got it. it's like if someone goes to Canada and says they've been to North America, it's like, yeah, but they own the lion's share of North America, by the way, just to let you know. Yeah. Second biggest country in the world, possibly. Okay, yeah, so we're going to go to Europe. We're starting the tour. I mean, by the time you listen to this, we will be deep in the tour. But we're just pre-recording this before we get crazy busy. And we're doing five stops, technically. We're doing UK, Glenau, Poland. Then the week after that is Hungary and Budapest. And then we're doing Bad Camberg or Camberg. I realized you're not supposed to say bad, even though it's in the name, if you say it. You look like an idiot, apparently, because I made that mistake in the promotional videos and I got a bunch of Germans laughing at me, apparently. And then we're going to do the last like big event is in Camberg in the countryside in that beautiful workshop center. And then as soon as we finish, instead of just relaxing, we actually have an event that evening in Gießen for couples. So mm. it's going to be ram-packed, filled with a lot of shenanigans, I hope. But yeah, we're doing this, man. It was kind of like a fantasy, and now it's a reality. So we're going to do this. <laughs> so I hope Europe is ready. I hope you guys have your spit guards on, because we're coming. Coming in hot. What's the most exciting thing you're looking forward to, Benji? Giving myself to the people. Being selfless. Just going all out. Yeah. 
Wow, that sounded pre-rehearsed. That sounded like Miss America. It's like, if you became Miss America, what would you want to do? Save no, the orphans. Oh, with your beauty. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> your yeah, also, also save the orphans. Andrew, I'm going to give my all in the workshops. And in between the workshops, I'm going to be traveling to Italy by myself just to chill on the beach. So it's half self-centered, half all in for everyone else. That's how I operate. Yeah. I'm going to recharge. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I think it's winter, so I don't even know what these countries are going to be like. I know Poland's going to be cold, that's for sure. I think UK is just going to be raining because that's what it does. A heat wave and a snowstorm all look the same in the UK. It's just rain. <laughs> just cloudy and rain. It's like Seattle. Anyway, we got content to cover, buddy, but we're excited. We hope we get to meet a lot of really good folks. Wherever we go, the people brave enough to come to our events are... Really cool folks, always. I haven't met any duds that I can think of, and I probably don't want to think of them if I have, so. Today we wanted to talk a bit about this idea of finding appropriate groups of people to serve different needs in your life. It's a really important skill to have that I think do growing up accidentally, but it needs to become like a proactive skill the later you get into life. It's like a survival skill, right? Back in the day, a few thousand years ago, survival skills meant, can you hunt? Can you make a fire? Can you do some basic stuff, right? Can you determine whether this berry is going to kill you or this berry is going to give you free radicals? That's what you had to know. But nowadays, survival is like largely about mental health, emotional health, spiritual health. And so a part of that is learning like what you don't have. And I think a lot of people are blind to that. They just start, they kind of feel lonely. Maybe they can identify that they're lonely, but they don't know what would deeply fulfill them. Okay. So yeah, let's get into that. Cause this came from a conversation, Benji and I, and all the Heinen staff are taking care of people one-on-one -on -one now. So we're in these daily conversations with people. And one guy in particular that I was talking to was talking about they have friends that are really like good for having deep conversations, but not so much for having like fun. And I realized, yeah, we have many dimensions to our character and to our personality that need to be fed continually in order for us to feel fulfilled. And last thing I wanted to say is like, that's one thing I want to establish this year is a clear picture of what does fulfillment look like? Because fulfillment is the opposite of addiction. It's like when you are fulfilled, you don't want to run away anymore. You're happy in your own skin. And so that's what we've been preaching. Yeah. But we haven't really identified what does fulfillment genuinely look like. So right. if you can identify that loneliness is a massive gaping hole in your heart, then what does the opposite of that look like? What does fulfillment look like? So I'm sure you've had similar conversations yeah, yeah. with guys, right? No, I have actually recently. Just on the fulfillment bit, I woke up like two weeks ago, really, really sad and just feeling lonely. And I don't know why. And then I started feeling guilty because of that. Right. And so I was like, why am I feeling sad? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no yeah, it's reason. Like guilt came and started punching you. And then yeah. sadness came and started kicking you and you're just getting it from both right. sides. Well, it was like unfulfilled. That's the word that comes to mind. I was sure. like, not content. And I woke up and I was like, why am I feeling sad and unfulfilled? It's ridiculous because we have everything we need. There's like literally nothing left in life that I need, like need, need. And well, I was- I don't I, think you have a really nice sash that says <laughs> king of the world. I think you- Do I need a sash now? Shoot. You need a sash. Then you'll That's be- That's what I need. That's it, Andrew. <laughs> Anyways, so when I have these moments of like question, 
I've developed a habit of like journaling in my phone. Like I open the notes app, I put the headline, why am I unfulfilled? And why do I feel like something's missing in my life? So I have this question and then I go into a deep like journal walk. I walk around the neighborhood and I journal. And so it's very therapeutic, honestly, because I go through this process of asking myself, like I have absolutely everything I need, health, family, mission, drive, kids, a relationship with my wife that I'm proud to say is one of my greatest accomplishments, right? Why do I feel unfulfilled? It's ridiculous. So then I turn off like my emotional sad brain. I turned on my logical brain and I was like, okay, when have I felt most fulfilled in my life? And let's try to replicate that, at least go in that direction. So I identified two things that I felt most fulfilled and happy, genuinely content, is when I'm feeling really connected with people, number one. Like I feel connected to my wife, like we enjoy being in the company of each other and we enjoy talking and we just feel connected and filled up, right? And also I feel that connection with other people, like my parents, friends, whoever. And number two thing that I feel most fulfillment from is having a sincere pursuit of doing hard things and big things and epic things and not finding fulfillment and achieving them, but actually the genuine fulfillment of sincerely trying to achieve it. And that's been taking me a long time to get to because I've always tried to like, and I think generally speaking, people like think that when I get X, Y, and Z, then I'll feel fulfilled. When I get those six pack abs, then I'll feel fulfilled. When I start bench pressing 300 pounds, whatever, then I'll feel fulfilled. But actually for me personally, I feel most fulfilled when I'm just working really hard to get there and every day putting in the work to get there. And so I recognized that in myself and I was like, wow, that's it. Like for me in my life, that's my formula for fulfillment and success. And so I've started talking and teaching this to the guys that I'm mentoring every day is like, when have you been most fulfilled in your life? And probably it's something to do with feeling connected with people, like generally having meaningful connections and deep insights with people and pursuing something that is hard and fulfilling yeah. and getting fulfillment from it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just want to throw that out there. That's kind of what we've been talking about recently. Yeah, well, that's part of it. I'd like to break it down into these core yeah. groups because if you are doing something hard to do it alone, you need your own part of something hard that you can really claim as your own and that you take responsibility for. But it needs to be a part of something great, like even a business, like even a solo entrepreneur, they have, they're connected to the customers. They're connected to a bunch. You're never like going to achieve anything by yourself. You're always connected to something else. So. Yeah, I'd love to get into that. So one thing, obviously, is to have some sense of family. This is a really deep one, right? We have our deep selves that need satiation. So that's like a longing to be unconditionally loved from people that we care about, that we can also practice unconditional love with. And that typically happens within a family, right? Ideally, it happens within the family that you're born into, right? And so that's a great place to start. But I know a lot of people, even myself to a certain extent, don't have that as the best forum to practice this love. So it's cultivating like an adopted family, meaning if you live in a different state from your parents, of course you can still connect with them on Zoom, WhatsApp, whatever. But to have like the physical presence of going to dinner at somebody's house and having deep conversations deep into the night, long into the night where you're revealing your deepest fears and your greatest hopes, and you're listening to somebody share their soul with you, right? That is such a fundamental need that doesn't need to happen all the time. Like every day would be exhausting, I think. Even once a week seems a little too much. But on some level of regular basis that you're sharing with somebody who's like a father to you or somebody who's like a mother to you or somebody who's like a brother or sister to you, you probably need all these dimensions. That's the first layer of this, and we all need it. It's not like, oh, if I have time. It's like, 
a need of our heart of hearts and our soul of souls. This is what makes us human, is the longing for connection and for acceptance within a tight unit known as a family, right? And again, it doesn't have to be your physical, biological family, but that's an ideal place to start because that's where you'll find the most fulfillment and you'll see the greatest conflicts arise because your parents will always annoy you and always give you annoying advice, but that's a part of the deal. That's how they grow and that's how you grow, right? right. Yeah, I think calling it a need is very adequate. And I know a lot of people will like poo-poo on that idea because it's like, well, it's not a need like food and water, but they're like all the studies of people who, babies who are not connected with people and die. And that's like an extreme example, but I feel like it's even to the point, if you look at the human behavior, when people don't feel connected with people on a frequent basis, what happens? They develop addictions. Yeah. They essentially destroy themselves, right? And if people don't have connection enough, they get addicted to stuff, they get more severe, they go to certain things that are more destructive to them, but also to other people, which leads them to being in prison, incarcerated, right? And so they ultimately, it's like a self-sabotaging cycle where people are seeking ways to feed this need, absolute need that they have with things that don't fill them up. So they're destroying their body, they're destroying their mind, their health, and also affecting other people at the same time. Yeah. And so I was listening to somebody check in yesterday and they were talking about it's hard for them to identify what the real root cause of their addiction is. And this is the kind of you have to be your own Sherlock Holmes. You have to really be able to go through this process. If you want true resolution, if you really want to be free from any addiction, you have to be willing to go from like level to level, keep going down and down further into the psyche, into the recesses of your mind, into your soul. And you'll find that, yes, there's layers to this. And sometimes we don't even understand how much we want something because the feeling is so distant and vague that you just feel anxious, right? You're just like, I don't know how to sit with myself. And so I distract myself constantly. And to understand that could be connected with the fact that you haven't talked to your dad in three years in any deep, meaningful way is so hard to just come to this conclusion. It really, even if we were to tell you or you to read a book about it, it's not going to hit you in the face like a surprise ending in a movie where you're like, oh my God, right? But you have to come to that conclusion through the work, through the digging. And when it arrives at you, when you're ready for it to really receive it, it's like it's shocking how basic our needs are that are going unmet and how complicated that makes our life, right? Oh, I don't talk to my dad. And so therefore, every night I can't go to sleep without watching porn. Like what on God's green earth does that one have to do with the other? Well, it's based on our fundamental needs as human beings to belong, right? So and you, Benji, we're just talking about how this kind of transformed your life. The fact that you've been talking regularly with your own father, right? And this yeah, is something really, that came to you kind of late in life. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, Andrew. I hope this is really helpful for people. So I started my relationship with my wife. We got married, blessed when I was 18. And I thought I was ready for a relationship and it was not. And <laughs> I was hit with the reality of number one, being 18 years old, <laughs> a teenager. Being a goofy number teenager. two, thinking that I was ready for a relationship. And number three, Wait, not, can I just, how mature did you think you were at 18? Do you oh, think I thought you were... I was, I thought God sent me to this world to be blessed <laughs> with the most magnificent, like I thought it was a special unicorn. I really did. <laughs> I was like, I'm special. And only the greatest woman on the world is ready for me. I honestly believe that. 
So that combination of feeling like I was ready and realizing very quickly that I had no idea how to do relationships. But I've realized retroactively over the years is that my relationship with my family, my parents, my brother was not very deep and meaningful for most of my life, to be honest. It was not. And the reason I struggled so much in the early stages of my marriage is because I didn't bring the skill and the habit of being able to connect with people into my marriage. Because my first reaction when things are difficult or I was upset or angry or stressed was to withdraw and to be alone. Mm. But in a relationship, if you have two people that do that, what happens? That's how divorce happens. You don't yeah, address you have them. a war. You have people on either side of the room flinging turds at each other. Yeah, well, ultimately talking about it, right? Yeah. And the worst thing being just to squash it and just go to our phones when we're feeling emotions, right? So yeah. this is why, my friends, like I think, I believe that it's one of the best things people can do for marriage prep is simply just develop the ability to connect with people. Yeah. And have deep conversations and share honestly and listen honestly and be able to have difficult conversations too. Yeah. And I didn't have it with my parents and that's why we struggled. And so we got into this relationship with my wife and thank God my wife is someone who wants to have these conversations, wants to have conflict, wants to address stuff. So I had to develop that habit and it was very painstakingly difficult. So the challenge was that at many points later on in my marriage, my connecting with my wife wasn't enough because it was like one source of connection. And sometimes she didn't want to talk or sometimes I would share something and she wasn't having a great day either. So it was like trying to drink from an empty cup essentially. And she was not able to be connected either. So then I had to start developing a wider support system, a network of connection. So that's when I started going back to my family, which is interesting. Yeah. That's when I was like, actually, I've never developed a good relationship with my brother or with my mom or dad. So I started talking with them more frequently. And then I developed a relationship. And at first I was like, you know what? My dad's Japanese. We're not that kind of relation. We're not those kinds of people. We just don't talk about emotions. But then I was like, screw that. That's a stupid excuse that I'm going to be using my entire life as a label. It was like, oh, it's because he's Japanese. We can't talk about stuff. And so I just started doing it. And I thought, why can't we develop a relationship where we do feel open to talk with each other? Why can't we do that? So it's never too late to develop that kind of deep relationship. And it's been life-changing for me because like you said, Andrew, it's like, it's a need. It is yeah. absolutely a need because the alternative is we destroy ourselves. The alternative is that we're unhappy mentally and physically, right? Yeah. So that's the first layer. That's like the core because our belonging within the family is going to really be how, what determines how we function in the world. That's mm. where we learn everything and anything unresolved there. Like if we graduate physically to the next level of life without graduating emotionally. So let's say you get married before you've resolved stuff within the family. You're bringing that lack of information and that lack of awareness, that lack of maturity into your marriage. And so you're going to continue a lot of the bad habits. So it's really important that even if you do find yourself married, which most of us do before we have resolved all of our issues, yeah. you can always double back and resolve these things. And even if you have a parent that's dead or not in your life for some reason, you can still resolve this by finding a parental figure and working these things out. I've worked a lot of stuff out actually with Uncle Day. Like a lot of my fears about having difficult conversations and all that. My dad and I, I really love my dad a lot, but there's, Uncle Dave's just in a different place in life. Like my parents are divorced, so there's certain things mm. that I can't talk to them about. So I, mm. I need to talk to a, a couple that's stuck through it thick and thin and all this stuff. So I adopted, I didn't know, but I was always looking for kind of like that kind of resolve stuff in my life. And I didn't know it. It just came in the form of like wanting, being drawn to kind of more, stable kind of older men and wanting to form some sort of a relationship with them. So 
yeah, there's that. So that's the core is the family. But then if you go kind of one level out, then there's more casual, like friends. To be a good, reliable friend who can support people even though you don't have to. Like family, regardless, you divorce your parents, they're still your parents. They made you, right? You can't ever get rid of that fact. That's a universal fact. But friends, they come and go, right? That's like completely optional. You could easily just stop picking up somebody's calls or stop answering their texts and just erase them from your life. It's very, very possible, especially in this day and age, because we're so connected, but that makes everything very kind of cheap and easy to kind of like just escape from a relationship. So to have these optional relationships in your life and to stick it out, even when it's inconvenience, does something for you that is so necessary. I was thinking about this morning, actually, this idea of like a friend is somebody that you genuinely love that you can say that I love you to them, but also that you can confide in them some secret that they could also call you when they're in a state of emergency and you're maybe not happy to help, but you are naturally compelled to help, even when it's inconvenient. Like, hey, can you come pick me up? I'm stuck outside my house and it's three in the morning. You're like, oh, fine, yeah, okay. And you don't hold grudges and that's how you practice being a good friend. And this is, again, it's all optional, but that fills something in us. Again, we're talking about this not in terms of general life advice, but this impacts your sexual integrity. So if you look at, okay, first of all, how's my relationship with my biological family or my parental figures? That's first stage. And the second stage is like, how's my relationship with my friends? Do I really have friends that I love and that I can tell them everything? Or do I just have a bunch of acquaintances, which is I think a lot of us have more acquaintances than we'd like to admit rather than genuine friendships, right? We know a lot of people. We have work friends. We have the friends, your volleyball friends, Benji, right? But like how many genuine kindred spirits do you have where you choose every single day to be in each other's lives, right? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. this is, again, it, I realized over the past 10 years that this is a skill that's new to humanity. You never had 30-year-olds that had to go around learning how to find new friends up until maybe the past 50, 100 years. Because prior to that, you were born in one place and you lived there until you died. You didn't travel, unless you're like Jacques Cousteau or some Christopher Columbus. Like, but it was very rare. Typically, you had your tribe and that's where you were born and raised and died. And I was so, thinking, sorry, yeah, no. just examples like back in the day, if you were going to hang out with your friends, you would go to their house or you would go to a place like a park and you would yeah. just, who's here? Like you would just, are they there or not? And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cause that's your neighborhood. That's your hood. Those are your people. Yeah. But now everybody, I was listening to some author talking about like how complicated the answer of, Hey, where are you from? Like it used to be so simple. Oh, I'm from this neighborhood and this is blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, well, I was born here, but I was raised here and I live here. And my, like, everything's so complex because we're into, it's a good thing, but it's creating this new demand for how do I build new friendships in my thirties? Cause before it's just like, yeah, you neighborhood kids is like, Hey, you have a bike. I have a bike. Let's hang out. And that, like, you're just best buddies until you're older. But now it's kind of like you move into a new city. How do you find new friends? A lot of people do things like meetups or whatever, and it's like it feeds you in a way, but it doesn't necessarily lead you to like deep, fulfilling relationships. So learning how to actually invite people into your life to be friends and to 
like it's almost like dating but it's for friends there's a lot of trial and error because a lot of times you'll befriend somebody and then they turn out to be a weasel or like shady or something like that so it can be heartbreaking too i've been on the hot pursuit of friends for a good long time and it's really not easy in this day and age because everybody's too busy blah 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 and when you have kids everything becomes complicated so but it's, again, a need. It's not as strong a need. You could live longer without friends than without family, mm. but it's still a need nonetheless. Yeah, gotcha. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, you will probably really enjoy our other podcast, The Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to create a smashing marriage and experience God in the process. And yes, we talk a lot about sex. We have incredible guest speakers that I think you're going to really love. All you have to do is search for Blessed Couple Podcast on your favorite podcast player, or just click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks. Back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I've struggled with the friend part because we lived in New Jersey, which is a community in America that I have a lot of friends, but they weren't very deep friends. And I didn't realize that until I moved to North Carolina where I have truly deep friends here. And so I realized that for me and community finding, because like we could live anywhere in the world. I have three passports. My kids are all dual citizens, right? But I choose North Carolina because I would rather have one or two deep friends than a lot of not very deep friends. And that's maybe a personal preference, but for me, it's been very liberating because I like talking to Gene, shout out to Gene, Gene Honeycutt. He's someone that I will go to when I have victories and I know he'll be happy for me. Mm. He's someone I'll go to that if I have setbacks or make mistakes and I know that he will support me and he won't be happy for my mistake, but he'll be happy that I'm reaching out to him yeah. right? and he'll support me through that. Like to me, that's a genuine, true friend. And I'm happy to have even one or two or three people in North Carolina that do that. So, yeah, 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 so that fills you up and it's definitely important. But then if you go one layer out after that, then it kind of fractures out into all these different areas that you can imagine. So we had Yoshi Okabe on this podcast like a year and a bit ago, and he's talking about the need for having a community to work out, like a tribe for you to join for working out, because that's what changed his life is not just working out, but like having a group of people that they were his fitness allies and they were all had similar goals. And so him not showing up impacted the group. And so that made it more incentivized for him to participate in that. But if you can imagine, so there's physical health, but then there's spiritual health, having some sort of spiritual community that needs your presence because you're giving something to that and you get something from that is very vital like that's why we live in denver is because there's a lot of people kind of our age with little kids who really care about their spiritual lives and understand that's a bifunction of our kind of place in this world is how well we help each other as a part of a community right so there's physical health there's spiritual health emotionally like being a part of some sort of smaller group i think that's why a lot of churches have these small groups because you can share together as a group. And that's High Noon provides that with our groups. I think that's a lot of guys show up because that's one place where they can share what they're really feeling in a group of guys or gals, right? Anything else that you can think of? Any smaller groups? No. I think one point that you made was very wise about reaching out to Uncle Dave about what you needed at the time is that you had the wisdom to reach out to the group or the individual that to serve a need that you had, a specific need. 
Sure. And I think that's something that is underutilized because we like to look for one person that'll fix all our issues, right? Yeah. We like to look at our parents and say, mom, dad, I want you to help me with finances, to help me raise my kids. I want you to help me with my spiritual life of faith. I want you to help me find a career. It's like, but the reality is you might take parenting advice from your parents, but you probably won't take financial advice from your parents. Or you might take, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you would take financial advice from your parents, but not definitely not fitness advice from your parents. So I realized in my life that it's something that I need to do and I practice a lot is finding, first of all, figuring out the exact problem that I'm trying to solve and then finding the person that has done that. And that's been very, very, very helpful for me. Instead of kind of looking at everybody that has gray hair as like this person has the answers to everything, I'll look for a specific person in my world that I know has the answer and has done the thing that I'm trying to do. And it's happened a lot. Like even at church, I'll go to church and have conversations with some of the like older first gen guys, right? Yeah. And they just start talking about, like one guy started talking about his kids and when he was raising them when they were kids. And I was like, wow, this guy has so much perspective about life and it's 75 years old or something like that. I was like, there's something that this guy understands about raising kids that I can learn from and I want to gain something. So after this conversation, I took him aside and I was like, I'm kind of struggling with this part of parenting, right? I'm not sure exactly what to do. And he gave me really good advice. I was like, man, that's like such a brilliant, wise way to go about life is just seeking answers from people that have the thing. So maybe that's helpful for people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what this is about, right? So at the end of the day, fulfillment comes from us relating with the world in a healthy way. And so the opposite of fulfillment is kind of isolation. And that's when we're completely isolated from people, isolated from good thoughts, isolated from a positive feedback loop that is no longer naturally given to us just because of the way that the world is set up. So we have to set up our lives in order to create these positive feedback loops from the most core elements, which are family, real, like real family, tight knit family. And if your family's dysfunctional, even better, it's going to be harder, but that's where it's at. That's where the magic is at. And then friends and then some sort of community, like having a community to kind of, and I, one thing I didn't mention was a group of friends that just know how to have fun because mm. we don't do that enough. Everybody's trying to pursue something or another. And I think a lot of people are lacking like a carefree group of people who are just really all about having a good time. And of course, that should be aligned with your values, right? That doesn't mean shooting up heroin, but it could mean like you have your volleyball friends, finding a group of people that just, they'd be up for it, up for an adventure, like your adventure friends. Hey, let's mm -hmm. go for a hike. Let's go for this. That's a really important element as well. So if you can start to look at your life and identify which kind of elements are lacking are you lacking the kind of more core foundational relations so with family are you lacking in kind of more deep friendships or light friendships one guy mentioned yesterday how much he loves animals and like that fills him up so like okay yeah that's great fit that into your schedule as well but when you can start to really look at your life you can see, okay, how often do I need to have deep conversations? And everybody's going to be a little bit different, right? Some people are much more internally inclined. Like I love deep conversation. At like a function where there's dancing and all this stuff, I'm always sitting in the back. I just found myself, I found an old video from 2014 or 15. I was in Ohio and there's like this gala dance and I was just sitting down talking to David Young instead of dancing and everybody else is having this. I just love a deep conversation. But some people... Deep conversations are not their cup of tea, but it's still important, but hmm. maybe you just need less frequent. So 
how many deep conversations do you have? How often do you need to have fun? How often do you need to pet a dog or whatever? All this is you're creating your kind of recipe for fulfillment. And that's the scientific kind of aspect of this is to kind of look at the frequency in which you need certain levels of depth of relationship in order to just feel fulfilled, where you lay your head on your pillow and you just say, ah, I feel good. Instead of like, I suck, I failed, I did this, you just like, I feel good. Today was a good day. Yeah. I didn't need to escape myself. I didn't need to zone out online. It was just a good day. And so if you are mindful of this and if you experiment and experimenting means like have too many deep conversations, find out what that looks like every day. I think, like I said, would be pretty exhausted. <laughs> like, yeah. How many tears can you shed? It's a really good question because it's something that my guys ask me a lot, actually, because I implore them to connect with people deeply, have meaningful conversations, right? Not yeah. necessarily needing to cry or anything. And people are naturally like, well, how often do I need to do? And my response is, however often you need, like you say, I would say that people are leaning on trying to quit porn and tend to escape to social media and find that they use supernormal stimuli to escape emotions. Then I would challenge them to like do it for a week every day and see how you feel. We get a condition. Like if you had to connect with someone deeply every single day, how would you do it? Because then your imagination starts going. You start thinking like, okay, if I had to do this, who would I connect with? Who are the people in my life that I can talk to? I'll remind you guys, it's not about talking about porn. Right? It's about talking about having deep conversations, meaningful conversations, connection points, relating with people. And if you do it for a week, notice how you feel and then assess it from there. Right? Yeah. I would say that people, generally speaking, are, need more connection than they think they do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope this is helpful. Again, this is to help you understand these weird feelings that you have where sometimes out of nowhere, you just are super angry or super depressed or whatever. A lot of this is just honestly because you haven't been maintaining a sense of fulfillment through connection with yourself. Even part of this is with God. We didn't mention that. Shame on me. Yeah. But yeah, the genuine conversation and connection with God. Like when was the last time you actually felt the presence of God? It's, I think it's so rare in this world because we're so distracted. And to really be in the presence of God requires us to be focused mm -hmm. on nothing other than the infinite, on something far greater than we can really fit into our minds, but that our spirits long for, right? So that's a part of fulfillment as well. To find your recipe requires you to first have a thesis of what you think it's going to take to be fulfilled and then just experiment. You can't go wrong, man. This is survival within the next, within your lifetime, with all the changes that are taking place, if you can do these core things, which is finding out how much you need to connect in these different ways, you will get through whatever life throws at us. We have this AI revolution. We have all these unknowns, wars and all this stuff. That's, this is the only way we're going to get through is if we're genuinely connected. So it's really worth a shot. I really, really encourage you all to please try to make this a lifestyle to understand how connected am I and to always seek after the right balance, okay? And that doesn't always mean more. It's usually, I think for guys, it's pretty much always connect more. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know about women because I'm not like that, but yeah, even my wife could use a little bit more live connection. So anyway, yeah, that's about it. You got anything in the tank there, Benji? I mean, just about women, like I've gotten in trouble at workshops because I say, generally speaking, that women are better at understanding their emotions and connecting with people, generally speaking. And I say that, and then 
the people that, that challenge me on that are women, actually. <laughs> yeah. They say, well, I'm addicted to X, Y, and Z, right? And I would say that, like, it's not about men or women, really. It's really about people that have a better understanding of their emotional state and are able to connect with people in those moments have a better handle on addiction, have a better handle on not just addiction, but not escaping, like we talk about. So women is just like an example that is easy for some people to understand as to why some people don't struggle so much with escapism as others, right? And it's not that women don't struggle with addiction, absolutely not, right? Because of the ease and accessibility of escapism and social media and porn, et cetera, it's easier for everybody to escape and squash these emotions. It's easier for everybody to isolate and to not connect. So the challenge we're imploring everyone is to think like, how much more connection do I need? And challenge yourself. And what types? It. How much and what types? Because there's yeah. even like, I was getting really fulfilled in a WhatsApp relationship with somebody of just leaving voicemails. They were 10 mm -hmm. to 20 minutes long every day for months. And we were both getting a lot out of it because it was our chance to just speak without interruption and get everything out. And then you would hear what they said and then we would just do this every single day and it was really deeply fulfilling. So mm. to find out the way, because with High Noon, we ask people to check in every day via text and that's something, but it's not really going to satiate you in any mm. meaningful way. But finding the frequency and the type of communication is really, really important. So yeah, good luck on your quest, everybody. Please, please try this. And not just once, but this is really a lifestyle choice. And I'm telling you, it's those who invest in this will be, no matter what, no matter if they go into financial straits, if they're in the, whatever, they'll figure things out because they're connected and they'll realize that that's the most important thing at the end of the day. All right, everybody, it was nice talking to you. We'll see you later in the next episode. love here and I just wanted to let you know that we have completely revamped our offering known as the Ascend program. Now if you've been with us for a while you know that the Ascend program has been our flagship porn recovery program for years and we've added a lot of content we've tweaked things here and there but recently we've completely done an overhaul in terms of our approach to recovery and here's why. You see, originally we tried to appeal to everybody and we just let everybody come in. Anybody who said that they wanted to tackle porn, we just let them join. And there's a very low barrier of entry. But what we found was that a lot of people who thought they were ready to tackle their porn addiction or who kind of wanted to, they didn't always show up in the best way and they in many cases brought the group dynamic down and so what we've done is we've made the barrier of entry a little higher and in turn we've made our offering much more powerful let me explain so when you sign up now there is a small fee for everybody to sign up but you get that money back once you finish that quarter it's in kind of an escrow as a challenge for you to take your time more seriously because if you put money into something and you're only going to get it back out if you really try if you really attend your classes if you really do all the work then guess what your motivation to do that work is much higher so that's the first thing. Second thing is we are, of course, offering our weekly call groups as a part of the Ascend program. So you'll have your group that you meet with every single week, and that's super important. But in addition to that, you're going to get daily accountability. You'll be able to message with somebody every single day in order to stay on track with your North Star goal. And more than that, every quarter you get two one-on-one -on -one calls with a high noon staff. 
that is a one-on-one call where we do a deep dive into where you're at and where you're going. And we help you to diagnose precisely what actions will be most useful for your time, for your energy, so that you can get the biggest results for your energy spent. So we are doing our best here at Highland to make sure that you grow the most in the shortest amount of time. It's all a part of our new roadmap that we've created. Anyway, we've been doing this for a while, but we're always getting better and better. And this quarter, first quarter in 2023 is going to be monumental. So please sign up for this Ascend program. Take it super seriously and just watch what happens. Watch how your life transforms in a short period of time.